Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm this morning, and my co as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Hope everybody's doing well. Arsenal took on Everton and tend to go on Villarreal. Probably one of the biggest games of our season. But first off, Arsenal take on Everton. You know, I think Everton were, were probably even going to this game a bit more hungry than Arsenal were, even though... All it took, would take for Arsenal is a few good results and suddenly you could see, you know, top four could be somewhere in the horizon or even a, a European spot. So, uh, I know a lot of focus was for the Europa League time and I thought, you know, Arsenal would give some sort of performance and revenge over since they lost to Everton. Yeah, I mean, look, the opening solvers of the game, uh, very positive from both sides, <clears throat> trying to, you know, go for it um, and some the authority in the game. But, I mean, as the game now wore on in that first uh, 10, 15 minutes, as Arsenal was going into the game, there were also kind of flaws that we've been also bringing up constantly in the podcast where things were fizzling out every time it was getting close to the box and everything was just, you know, doing the breakdown. And, and I mean, it was actually weird. Maybe this was, of course, a plan by Ancelotti. But it, it's not like, yeah, that, 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 that sort of thing that we see Arsenal have the most problem with. When they're doing the two, uh, when they're playing up against teams that go two banks of four, and of course we were, <clears throat> you know, knocking and or huffing and puffing, and we weren't really getting through to. No, but it's been a problem this entire Arteta reign. you know, put Arteta it's a team who comes out and attack, and Arsenal can put them to the sword. But the moment the team decides, okay, we're going to give you guys the initiative, that is where Arsenal struggle their labour and they kind of, you know. Missing the likes in this aspect of Kieran Tierney on on the right hand side, or or even a, a Cedric or Bellerin, just to add that bit of more attack. Because Arsenal's midfield doesn't have like the greatest amount of space, especially when you have like the likes of Semeos and Party in the middle of the field. You know, it's not it, it, it's a kind of a off balance midfield at the moment. So. You know, uh, and then uh, the, and on top of that, Nketiah leading the line, it just seemed like yeah. Arsenal were never going to kind of be attacking in full force. Yeah. And I mean, for, like, first big warning shot for Arsenal, 14th minute when uh, Cross comes in that Arsenal failed to deal with, and Calvert Lewin just glances, you know, a either wide. So, I mean, you know, the opportunities are already there for that up and coming England striker. Um, Arsenal, the, you know, when we did not get forward, we now just started to be almost like very tame without chance because I, I, there were chances for Saka and Ketia. But I mean, it was all was like at times like more like back passes to a goalkeeper because I mean, there was no real, there were no venom behind the shots. Then 30th minute, Richarlison then, you know, jinxes himself into the box, gets past Pablo Marie, and then, you know, he has a shot which Leno, of course, has to palm away. But I mean, honestly, like that. Even though we are now getting blunted outside of the pitch, you know, uh, when we're attacking, they seem to be getting, you know, just that step, you know, uh, taking the risk a bit more, getting the chances. And I mean, they were not testing our goalkeeper more than we were doing that to, you know, pick, pick for it. And then a 40th minute, as we're closing in on halftime, Sigurdsson gets a free kick again, you know, even leading up to that free kick, very clumsy by Thomas Party. I mean, you know, the last few weeks, <clears throat> I mean, I, I hear a lot of people, you know, leading up to, uh, you know, the, the way when you maybe made the move from Atletico, Atletico to, to Arsenal. I thought to myself, 
you know, we're getting a real, almost like a midfield juggernaut coming in. But I mean, when you see the sort of mistime tackles and, and you know, he make, he's, you're looking into him to almost like, you know, carry this midfield in a way. I'm not saying it must be his sole responsibility. But I mean, you're looking at him, the quality, the also like the, the price tag. And, the, and then you see him making almost like this, you know, stuff that you see of, of maybe a academy player or something like that doing. And I mean, I, that's not just, you know, stabbing in the dark, really. But I mean, not impressed, really, with his performances. And then, I mean, with Sigurdsson's free kick, ends up, you know, clipping the top of the ball. Yeah, the, the, the sad thing is, you say, as, as we go along, you know, closer to the to the end of, of the first half, is that there is no real talking point for Arsenal as a as an Arsenal fan to kind of say, you know, we did this, we did that. It's like, you're always talking about the opposition doing something, you know, maybe Leno putting up a save and Arsenal just ambling through the game all the time. It's, it's, it's come to a point, you know, where you have to kind of, you know, when sometimes you're watching these games, you're like, okay, after the first half, you're thinking, you know, what, what, what could you chat about on this half? Because Arsenal just sometimes offer absolutely nothing going forward. And it's, it's a big problem. Uh, I don't know how we're going to solve it. But like you said, Everton came to the Emirates, you know, knowing that Arsenal don't like the red teams sit back and just absorb pressure. And I mean, look, you know, chatting to my friends, like, you know, on Facebook and that, like, Arsenal friends and that. And I mean, the the, the, the things that I've already heard them when they, you know, describing watching just an Arsenal game, because, I mean, I've been asking them also, like, their take on, on how they perceive things when they're sitting and watching. One of my friends was telling me, um, you know, he sometimes just goofs around on his phone during the game, which you never would before. And then, I mean, some were saying, you know, the games are tedious to watch, like pulling teeth in it. And then some were saying it's just straight down and boring because it's like they, they end up, you know, waking up, falling asleep, waking up, falling asleep during the course of a game because it, it, it's so, <clears throat> it's all like I told you the law, I think last week in the podcast. It's almost like the stop-start brand of football. And if you're not getting, like, as a neutral, <coughs> excuse me, if you're watching, say, a team like Man City or, you know, one of those top teams, they play a flowing game. There's nothing of, I'm going to stop the ball, I'm going to run a bit, I'm going to stop ball. Okay, I don't know what to do now with the ball. Is anyone going to come help me? You don't see that really with, with you know, if you want to be a top team. And to for us to try to even label ourselves like that is way off. And I mean... It goes hand in hand with that sort of talk of the the, the Super League thing where how would an Arsenal team like this, <laughs> what you see now, how would they cope in a, in a league right now? No, it wouldn't be. We would just like to be there to be part, to be have a seat at the table because we are nowhere near them when you watch Man City play against PSG. I mean, that's a high-octane game, best game. Imagine you put Arsenal in that game. We would have gotten to a new one and it's it's really sad seeing it end. You know, as, as we go into the talking points, I'll, I'll, I'll state my feelings about, like, you know, how I feel about the current situation at the moment. But, I mean, is it viable to go on like this? I mean, if you, if you look at the team, I, I don't know when last, you know, even with Emery, you know, they all, I know we had bad matches, but there were some times, you know, where I enjoyed watching the football. But it's just... You know, our home form uh, is not a fortress. Our home is not a fortress. Like, teams just come there like, okay, give Arsenal the initiative and they will struggle. Yes, I mean, if you think with, with uh, you know what you know, saying with that, the initiative of it, when you look at, at 
say Emery's reign, if you do like a split screen of their things. Yeah. Emery played an attacking brand of football, but he couldn't defend for shit. Whereas yeah. Arteta's trying to focus that, but he's almost like nullifying the attacking side of the game. So you, the minute you do something like that, it takes just one chance for the opponent to score, which they normally do. They get the goal or whatever, and then it's like they'll shut the shop down, and we don't know what to do with the ball. We'll pass, 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 but we're not going to get anywhere through with any of this. So, really infuriating to watch. And I mean, going to the second half, <clears throat> I was not thinking a, a bigger backlash would come from it. But of course, Everton are already, already you know, stated their you know intentions in the game. They come off. You know, really hard on the front foot because I think they in transition also to defending or from defense to attack, they are very quick. I mean, Ancelotti has that or has them trained to a T in that aspect. So, I mean, Sigerson then gets denied by a holding block. Uh, then for the third minute, also controversial moment again, uh, Charleston ends up tripping Sevillas. The ref gives a straight uh, penalty, and after VAR check, they find out Pepe is offside. but I mean, my point was, or time to make, there was almost like something like 15 seconds between the Pepe being offside to you know, the game continuing and whatever, and then that sort of decision being made. And even then, it was so, I mean, I'm sure you could even put a, a sheet of paper through the way they were doing it with that protect thing again. Yes, yes. it's absolutely ridiculous. So... I mean, it's almost like another nail in the coffin of VAR for me, like from my personal point of view, because it's moments like this. I mean, as I said uh, last week or so, or two weeks ago in the podcast, it doesn't mean if you're an Arsenal fan, but I mean, even if you're not, you you can't have this thing constantly going like that, because sometimes it depends on, on almost like the official on the day. Yeah. And then you'll go like, mm, you know, I'll probably give this to them or whatever. And then you get some, like, say with us, it's almost like uh, we, they come down like them. I'm not saying this with us, there are other teams, but it's almost like everybody outside, say, the top eight or whatever, you get hammered for stuff like that, really hammered for it. No, I, I, I'm, I think they are against Arsenal because I don't know if it was just Arsenal games, because I haven't been like, I don't always just watch all the like, different types of games. I watch, you know, key other games where you wish I Arsenal, but, you know, Every time I watch an Arsenal game, I see VAR overruling a decision. It, it's it's actually either against us or in the opposition's favour. And I don't know if it's all other clubs that have this, but every single game almost you watch Arsenal, there's a VAR decision. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I mean, how many coaches, especially now in, in, in say, mid-table, lower-table, how many of them haven't really laid down a, a, like with the complaints, with, with the sort of decisions that get screwed up? And I mean, it ends up <clears throat> down the line. Almost like it can cost people's careers, even like as coaches. Yeah, I mean, you get look at the points we've lost over the season. You know, you go back to it. We must probably put put the compilation of that together, and you'll see that how much points we've dropped. You know, you, you, we obviously also aren't painting themselves in glory, but. You know, a better penalty, Arsenal put it away, 1-0 to Arsenal. And suddenly the game's a different different ball game. Everything have to come out, Arsenal play a bit more free-flowing game. But, you know, that doesn't happen. And it's almost as Arsenal, that was, how can I say, um, a morale de- um, deflating after that penalty was taken away from them. Yeah. 
Then 64th minute, Chambers ends up volleying a, a corner from Arsenal into the ground. But of course, the almost the trajectory gets it somewhat wrong, so the ball ends up just bouncing over the the crossbar. So you know, almost like a, a slight warning shot by Arsenal. Then Sebayas ends up with a rushing drive, I think, about 68th minute, about 25, 20 yards out, where Pickford finally has to you now do something, and he ends up clawing the ball away. Arsenal then, of course, make a double change. Uh, Odegaard coming on, uh, Pepe coming off. Which I found wrong decision. I even like you know in my notes, I you know just put a little point in it because for me, Pepe was actually the more you know the one that was actually causing him a bigger headache through like dribbling with the wall in it. And I, it's so fascinating because you see this sort of thing happening every time where you, you see the momentum going one way, and I mean of course Nketiah, the other substitute, they also kind of come off. But I mean he, as I said, he looked again lightweight against. Even though that was, I think, roughly the Everton's makeshift uh, centre-back wearing. Uh, Martin Allen coming on to kind of, you know, occupy them. Uh, then 76 minutes, uh, Charleston ends up, I don't know, he gets past uh, the full-back, uh, Granit Xhaka, takes on Marie, and then, of course, Marie is not really being decisive enough to go into, you know, either, I'm not saying foot-stomp the player, but, I mean, just to get on his toes somewhat. Richard ends up getting a, a shot where he's just almost like really smashing it across the six-yard box. But of course, it flicks Marie's head and it squirms kind of was Leno. And of course, Leno's doing the Cardinal sin as a goalkeeper. His legs are wide open. The ball ends up squirming through his hands, hits the back of his heel and shoots through. Why not Everton? <laughs> I couldn't believe it, Cole, when I was watching it. Kind of just summed up Arsenal at this point in time. I was just... Looking in disbelief and 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 ask myself really, and then you know Wandel down you after this performance already, he just kind of knew this game was gonna amble out to 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 not and you hoping that Arsenal was gonna come out you know try to get that equalizer but there was just no what's the word desire um, there's just nothing in this team to try to fight to get the the, the equalizer. Yeah. Then, of course, uh, Arteta now with his final throw of the dice, really. At the third minute, he ends up taking off Callum Chambers. And he brings on William. And again, <laughs> is this now your SOS or something like that? Because, you know, when he comes on, he already runs around like a headless chicken on most parts of the game. Like, that little cameos he gets. And I mean, this is something, I mean, I just want to bring it up to my friends also later on. You know, it's so blatant at the moment to see right now. He must have some sort of stipulation in his contract where he has to play. Because sometimes it comes on in games where, and I'm thinking to myself, as you know, said like a few seconds ago, really? Because you're actually wondering, is this guy supposed to rescue us right now when we're already <laughs> finding it difficult to break through the lines by Everton? And he's supposed to get through. I'm, I'm not talking of William Chelsea days. I'm talking of William now at Arsenal in their colours. Is he going to now try to pick that lock? Good luck. I mean, that's never going to happen. So, no, at all. Yeah, so 90th minute, uh, Martinelli ends up forcing himself into the, in the Everton box, manages to fire a shot across the box, same way, a bit uh, like Richarlison. Everybody kind of misses it, but I mean, by the time the ball is going to squirm itself to uh, Bukaya Saka, Pickford is already on the number and he ends up, you know, collecting the ball before it even reaches Saka. So, I mean, he ends up 
taking and killing up the last bit of seconds. And I mean, another loss for Arsenal, we dropped the 10th. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually quite, it's really quite embarrassing, you know, watching Arsenal and you just see us dropping more points. And I mean, it could be worse because you look at um, the Premier League table at the moment. We, we're 10th. I think Leeds are, oh, Leeds are in of us. Aston Villa has game in hand on us. And if they win, they'll go above us. So, I mean, we could slip down to 11. And the only reason we're not 12 is because the Wolves have been battling a bit. But, I mean, you know, this is relegation form stuff with 46 points only. You know, Arsenal should be happy that Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham were kind of battling because else, you know, we could have been dragged very much into the relegation scrap. And it's just not good enough to do that. But, you know, after losing this game, your consolation was, you know, for me, the Premier League, it's, it's basically done. You know, there's no, unless we, we get some miracle of winning, what, the next five games in a row, I don't see us getting anywhere. And then I was like, okay, let's focus on Thursday night. We will come out all guys blazing against Unai Emery. Arsenal playing away from home, you know, I think is our best chance to actually end the tie away from home because right now our home form is probably the worst I've seen in a long time. So I thought Arsenal get the job done against Villarreal. So I thought, you know, we'll go out there and, and get maybe two to three away goals and show up and give a hardcore performance because we played Friday night and Thursday night, almost a week's rest. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, both teams, you know, come into the game with real iffy track rules based on, like, you know, the league form. Arteta then, of course, trying this game to, to set up a false nine as his tactic for the match. I personally thought it would work because I thought to myself, look, if you're not going to have, say, someone like Nketiah firing, then at least that is your other option. You know, if we can somehow, um, you know, somehow master the way Pepe has done it at Man City. I thought, you know, in my mindset, of course, I was... Uh, somewhat deluded, I think, with the, the sort of amb- or airy ambitions, I think. Um, I thought that would not work because I thought to myself, you, you don't need now a straight centre forward or whatever you can have. You know, they're floating the same way Liverpool did with their front three when they played that false nine for a while. So, I mean, Arsenal start the game quite positive on the front foot. Arsenal, of course, doing high press, but I mean, that all but lasted for another four minutes because all of a sudden, and I mean, look, you've played football yourself. You've also analysed football games yourself if you're now watching again. If you start failing that early, you know, with your your fall, or you don't have that sort of energy with that, that high press, you're going to end up start leaving big, you know, almost like Swiss cheese uh, that holes in your, in your, not only in midfield, but also it's going to lead to your defence as well because we're not trying to be cute, trying to do this sort of thing, trying to smother them. But I mean, the minute they started kind of weathering the storm, because look, when they would win the ball, they wouldn't now just boot it, they would play more of a position game and start inching their way slowly up the field. And and with that came also the problem for Arsenal, because they've got a, a winger. And I mean, I've wa- I watched the Villarreal game last week, Sunday, when they played Barcelona. They were, you know, somewhat unlucky in the game also at times. But I mean, the one guy that, that stood out for me was uh, Chukwesi. Yeah, a winger, and I think we were linked to him either. I'm not sure if it was last season with that around about the time also with the Pepe deal. We were linked with him as well. If if we couldn't get now Pepe, and I mean he ends up you know finding himself in the Arsenal box, 
Arsenal, of course, I think they had uh, about three people in in close tackling range of him. He manages to squirm and worm himself through them, cuts the ball back, and I mean, he, all you can see it's like a hit and hope, not a hit and hope, a pass and hope, because he just lays the ball open, and I mean, because you can see, I think Gerard Moreno was kind of waiting for the pass to come to him, but I mean, um, Manuel uh, Trigueros, he ends up bursting through the midfield, and I mean, he ends up just smashing the ball past Leno, and I mean, no chance for the keeper, no real protection from his defence. One or Valerian. Yeah, at that point, uh, I don't know how you felt, but I just felt my stomach turn, and uh, like, I just, I just felt Arsenal didn't look up to it. Like, I mean, Seba years again, and, and, and um, not dealing with the issue, party as well, you know, being quite guilty of it as well, and you just looked at this Arsenal team and you started asking yourself where is this goal going to come from because Valerial's not the fastest of teams and, and you know listening to to other pundits and all that before the game they're like you know they can't see Valerial winning this game they just don't have the pace they have a slow midfield you know Arsenal will have to run off them but it's almost like Valerial played Arsenal at their own game with a position game they slowed things down Arsenal like you said were leaving gaps open um we were keeping possession without any purpose. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the, the Danny Ceballos says the, the, the ball-carrying midfielder, I mean, it, it wasn't working. I mean, yes, they, they got a bit lucky with the ball, like squirming in the box like that. But, you know, like yeah. you said, poor defending from Ceballos and Xhaka. And, you know, uh, I don't know if Leno could have done anything about the shot, but, I mean, there was, there was nothing... Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, you could have done it with one nil to Arsenal, and you're just praying to yourself, like, you know, come on, Arsenal, you know, it was one nil only. Let's step up in time to get that away goal. Then, of course, 15 minutes, uh, Pepe ends up, you know, getting kind of blocked out by the uh, Villarreal defence before he could actually do something, you know, worthy. Because, but I mean, he was trying to keep him, you know, on, his t- on their toes when he was like, making that surges going forward. Uh, 23rd minute, Seven years and party. You know, for me, by that point already, I mean, leading up with this game, like, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes, you could see already that golf that you're talking of with, with the quality or lack of quality. And then, of course, for me, that's when I, when I came to that conclusion, you know, these two are a terrible combo. Yes. Like the one, like, like I was telling my son when we were watching, it's like, you're watching Sibius and he's either surging forward or he's striking back. But it's like watching also somebody running in beach sand because <laughs> he's just not really taking off. And then um, Thomas Party has a sort of dead headlights look when he's always playing right now. I don't know what has happened to him in the past four to, to, to six weeks because all of a sudden he looks, you know, almost like bewildered or dazed. Sometimes when he just a little bit of pressure, he ends up panicking and kicks the ball out of the field or something like that. And I, think, I thought you were like. <laughs> I mean, you come with this reputation of being like a beast in midfield, and then all of a sudden I was getting this horrific flashbacks and cold flashes, not hot flashes, cold flashes, of Julio Baptista, where everybody heard when he, when he joined Madrid from Sevilla, you know, he's the beast up front, he can do everything and anything, and you watch him at Arsenal, he ended up being a, a real pussycat, getting bullied all over, sweating more than actually playing right. So, Yes, I wonder, are we now going down this path again with, with this player? Because, yeah, I mean, of course, we're going to be patient with him. And that, but, I mean, you, besides that, uh, patience is not going to give you, you know, almost like a, a sort of 
takeaway where you're thinking, okay, he, he's he regularly passed like or he shoots like a, a fly off or something like that. Did I did I really <laughs> because if you know you are not gonna have a shot on target, stop doing it. Because I mean, the only chance he gets to really have a shot on target is when he's he's doing it in training and his those air dummies that are stuck on the field and that are not closing him down or anything. Because then for me, that is uh, the, the real proof is in the pudding is what you see on a, on a match day pitch. If you can hold your cool and have a fine crack at goal, whatever, then, you know, go for it. But, I mean, if you're just thinking, oh, yeah, you almost like a training-based sort of uh, shooter at goal, then it, it don't work. Because, I mean, I already thought, I come in also push out all this, what I would call the propaganda videos. And then you, oh, they, they're shooting from this. When you watch them play on a match day, they don't do anything of that. Anything. They don't do anything of that that you see. So, like, where's this golf now in between what you see in training and what you see on a match day? And, and, and you know, as people at Thomas Park, he had a, shot, a chart at the edge of the bucket, and, you know, it is, 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 is um, usual you know, to see Kiki to the ground. And that led to Villarreal's um, second goal, because it kind of led to to that corner that they that they were going to get um, where Arsenal once again you know party you know they were pinging the corner and the the the, the um, party loses his man and there's a flick on and Albiol makes it two 0 for Villarreal. Yeah, I mean party totally falls asleep at the far post and to be taken out like and I mean. He, when they show the replay from a different angle, you can actually see he's looking straight at Abigail. And I mean, when that ball comes in, I mean, you at least stick to your man, even if you're not going to get a jump on him or something. You just get your body physically, you know, bumped up against him because just a slight getting off balance already puts him off from getting even a header on target. So why not do that? But now he just ends up ball watching and he just stands. And I think first, I'm going to, if I had a punch bag, I would probably knock the shit out of it, honestly, because that's how pissed off I was. Because yeah. what 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 we, what we also I think failed to mention even that first goal of Villarreal starts in the off like deep in the off and they just end up passing and passing and they they getting through different phases of our our, our setups of our team so it's ridiculous what you're watching and Rob Holding once again oddly went up for that first header which kind of eventually got to the Albion so once again you know Rob Holding loses his is man cleanly and this is not the first time it's happened and yeah I think just when we, we thought Davis Danny Sebaes was also you know finished since he lost the, the ball leading up to the um, the second corner and or the second goal and really thought he was finished you know having a bad day that um, Juan was it Juan Foyth or something at Valeria, the number eight absolutely roasted him for most of the game and then you know burst through the middle and you could see like you said Sebius like was running in sand and, and just fouls the player and, and picks up a, a yellow card but you just had a, a funny feeling you know before even half time that Sebius is battling in this game and battling against Juan Foy so one point on the way before that I mean 34th minute we also had a VAR penalty appeal when oh yes 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 the paper was brought down and then of course like you know through VAR they end up seeing okay as the ball dropped in his run, like you know, since he runs a lot with his arm, like you know, arms in motion, it uh, takes it knocks the ball, like it lands on his form. So, of course, you know, that gets scrubbed. And then, just to bring out that topic now that you now brought up, 
You know, when I saw Foyth uh, burst through, and I mean, look, he was somebody that was now given a chance at Tottenham, because I think that was now a lone move away for him to get minutes. To see a centre-back bursting through like that, and you're supposedly, like, I mean, his usual position is central attacking midfield. To see somebody like that struggle in that motion of, of you know, taking off and, and holding up, and then almost like, almost like petulantly just kicking out and tripping the... Yeah. the so, I mean, he ends up with a yellow. And, I mean, right now what you said was like also key. You also knew if, if somebody can't or looks so out of touch doing the dirty work in a football match, like the tackling, I'm not going to hold up play, which is probably what Arteta always thinks he's like a golden boy. But, I mean, if you can't tackle right and you're playing in that sort of position, you just ask him for trouble second off. And my personal take was get him off at halftime. Feel so. Because, like, you know, that, that footwork, I don't think it's a Villarreal thing or something, but it's not like when you're watching Santi Cazola, they shuffle that ball so quick between their feet. I mean, it takes one... I mean, that that, that, that one where he got talked to just before halftime, I believe, where he ends up kicking the guy just below the kneecap because the guy, like, uh, you know, almost like slalom past him. And he just ended up like a, you know, almost like a petulant kick again. And he catches the guy in the knee and the ref actually tells him, Look, you're already on the yellow. Just calm down with it. And then, I mean, we go into the second half. In a game, of course, Villarreal dominating now. Emery... This, I think this was one of the flaws of Emery also. That yeah. does, uh, if you now watch it as a neutral. They got the game in full control. They can... I mean, you could see they were peppering us with shots also. They... they I mean, I get it to you. They keep on that striker second half. They're going to probably get another two or three goals against us. They end up, or he decides, and of course, to shut up shop. He brings on Francis Cochran, a.k.a. your policeman, like the interior. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up coming on. And I mean, you got to see the intention not to I'm gonna close the game down. And I thought, what's up? Why are you doing I mean, I'm an like, Arsenal fan all in all, but I mean, to see some of your, your yes. like, do that. And it's, it's like, for me, it was a really quizzical. But I mean, okay, that was not their decision. Uh, in 48 minute Pepe then has his shot again blocked by Abiel. Because I mean, Abiel might not have the, the pace that we remember. Uh, not the pace, but I mean, his reading of the game has always been spot on. Even yeah. that, was he at Valencia back in the day, in the, the golden generation? Yes, he yes, then, then he went to Real Madrid for a season. I think he was at Napoli also at the time, even. Yeah, so I mean, he is, of course, reading quickly the game. Then 57 minute. Sebius bursts through with the ball, ends up almost like overrunning the ball. But in that time to win it, he ends up staring. I mean, it wasn't like really a stamp on the, like, you know, a, like a malicious, it wasn't really malicious, but I mean, he did step on uh, Parejo's foot. And I mean, Ref, of course, sees it, he calls him up, gets his second yellow, and we're down to 10 minutes. You know, I, I was actually fuming at that point, and I just thought about what you spoke about with last week, last week or the week before, in a podcast where you asked, you know, would you keep um, Sebios at the club? And you know, I'm I'm ready to let him go, especially since he said in the media that he doesn't want to be at Arsenal next season. Oh yeah. So, so you know, I'm happy with him if he doesn't play another competitive minute for us. In in that sense, I mean. You know, I thought I'd just stick up for him, whatever. But, I mean, this is not the first time he's battled. I mean, if you look at that Benfica game as well, that second leg, he was a big cause of, of both goals. 
and yeah. I look Ian well he also played a part in, in the goals and Ben gets a red card as well on top of it I don't know if he if he's going to go back to Spain and play for Villarreal next season and then try to get in the Champions League but I mean that was suicidal and, and I told my girlfriend as well two minutes before that red card happened I said Sebeok is going to get sent over and we're going to go down to Tilbet how is that and you read the comments on the Arsenal page after the red card Everybody was calling it out before it happened. How is yeah. it all fans saw that that was going to happen? There was a red card waiting to happen. Yeah. But the coach did absolutely nothing. His assistant coaches didn't tell him, look, let's get get um, um off. Do you think it was okay? I mean, they could have taken Sebeos off, shifted Xhaka into the sentiment, and brought out T- um, Cedric or Bellerin. Yeah. I mean... It's not rocket science or, or, or like force Cedric to maybe play on the left-hand side um, and bring Xhaka in the centre because it, it, it wasn't working. Sebius was consistently losing out and a yard slow and maybe also not make excuses for party, but maybe that partnership with, with, with Sebius is also putting strain on his game as well. Mm. Because, I mean, I don't know if you recall also in that, that second half also, I think there was also a moment where he also ended up either tripping or kicking a guy and, and fouling it. And the ref just, you know, just pointed, didn't say anything to him, just pointed at him. I was like, you know, I've got my eye on you. And I think to myself, now you already got the target on your back and you're still doing stupid stuff like this. I mean, the one thing you want to try is you're going to try to keep yourself out of all the sort of mess. Because, I mean, that is also the, the sort of petulance that we have going on at Arsenal. I mean, they, they are given also in this instruction about what to do or what not to do. And they are just keeping up making the same sort of errors that ends up costing the team in the long run. So Arsenal then end up 63rd minute. They bring on uh, Martinelli. They take Odegaard off. I mean, for me, Odegaard seemed more like a passenger. Wasn't doing anything, you know, uh, of, of, of worth, really. Because I was expecting making more impact passes and that and all he was yeah. doing was laying the... And this is the problem that I think I told you the, a while back. There are too many, mid, especially the midfielders. They are all, I mean, in my opinion, if I'm being not blunt about it, they're all cowards because they're all hiding behind the fact, okay, I can lay the ball off and give the problem to somebody else. For them, it's like the ball is a problem. So they don't want to show, okay, I can do this with the ball, even if I'm, because we almost like get people that almost like play with the highlight reel. They want to, that or the, for the stats, because when opponents are going to give them space, yes, they're going to cause damage. But the minute they, they have to do the flip side, the dirty work, you know, rolling up the sleeve spot, then for me, you can see who is worthy of playing or staying at the club. Because I saw really nothing from Odegaard. As, like, for me, uh, someone like Smith was playing his backside off because, I mean, he was trying to keep things going. Yeah. At least keep that, that midfield also second-guessing things like that. And then, of course, I mean, look, Valerial, you can see also the momentum. You know, kind of shifting because not that that they were playing bad. They weren't just trying to close up shop because they they attacking were way less. They were playing more of a counter attacking game, just wanting because they knew we were gonna now probably go gung out to try to get the opportunity. Uh, Cochrane ends up with a no look pass, sixty six minute. I mean, I really thought it was a gosh, it's the same guy was by us. Yes. <laughs> And I mean, he ends up uh, playing Moreno in, and I mean, he forces a fantastic save from Leno, which I think you were mentioning it also uh, post game, where you said there's only a sort of save that kind of keeps you in a game. Yes. In a time. 
But, but that would have been, I think, game over 10 men and 3 nil down uh, after uh, we were playing. Like, I uh, 2 nil down, I think Emre was... Emre is, is a good coach over two legs, you know. I, I need to give him the credit where it's due. I mean, uh, he made the mistake. But I think his plan was... I think he knows Arsenal has better quality than Villarreal. So his plan, I think, was try to shut up shop, get the 2 nil result... And they would probably blow Arsenal out the water. Not saying they're going to beat us 3-4-0. It's just, you know, Emre, that Napoli performance where we we, we had a 2-0 home um, result. And everyone's like, ah, Napoli's going to come back. Napoli's going to come back. And we beat Napoli 1-0 at, at their home ground. And then you look at also all our home performances. And then away from home, we just, you know, did enough to either get us over the line or... Um, you know, beat, beat the team quite convincingly. So I think Emre, that was his plan. And Arsenal, I think, besides Saka and Pippen, nobody was showing any sort of attacking initiative. So, you know, Arsenal, like you said, Wakao is in that way, just passing the ball to Saka and say, go on, lad, do something. Yeah, so the second minute, then Saka ends up, uh, you know, tricking triggers to put out a leg. He trips over a slight penalty, but I mean, when you VAR, when the VAR checked it up, of course, the official now gave the penalty. But I mean, you could see Saka was already playing for it because yeah. when you saw that guy's leg stuck out like that, he just ends up like twining his leg in between and getting out, you know, tipped to the ground. So, I mean, kind of cheap penalty, but I mean, we're going to take it anyway. Pepper then steps up and then, you know, plays, plants it straight down the middle. 2 1, game one. Yeah, uh, I, I, th- I thought to myself, at this point, how is Arsenal still in this game? 10 men and we're playing probably the worst. Like, I, I don't know what is your opinion on this. I've, you know, with you, I know you maybe have seen a bit more, but I've witnessed Arsenal play, you know, many semi-finals, lose semi-finals, and still, you know, as sad as I was, take it on the chin. But at yeah. this point, this is probably one of the worst performances I saw from an Arsenal team in a semi-final. Yeah, because like they, they don't show that sort of, you know, that, that, that you know, gritting of the teeth, especially in a game like this when you're playing away, almost like what they would call the Lions then. You expect that sort of performance, but it's not like we were kind of playing for a lucky break to get us, you know, further. Because, look, 80th minute, Kapoor then ends up getting sent off, and this is also one of the things that, that really infuriated me. In this competition, the Europa League, you are allowed the five substitutions. We made up to then, we made the one sub. Now, Arteta's got four subs remaining, and he's playing against a team that is now tiring, and I'm mean seriously tiring, because you could see some of the midfielders, every time they were the ball was out of play, their hands were already on their knees, because they could not cope at all. And I'm thinking, this is another time, you know, give it to them now that it's like 10 v 10, give it to them. Because, I mean, look, we had to take it on the chin, and, I mean, we looked at really out of sorts. Then we down to t- like 10 men, we're actually playing now better without Sebayos. And then all of a sudden, we start to look a bit uh, faster, the, the movement, and also a bit more gritty. They go down to 10, and then we go back into our shell. And I think it does this is the point where you have to, you know, hammer down the, the, the advantage of the initiative because 10 v 10, and you're already tiring, I suppose. Now you stick on like, uh, Obama Young, now you stick on whoever attack, even Katia, whatever. You just stick everybody that are attacking or attack-minded, you stick them on. And what he does is, he ends up waiting, he ends up waiting. Then 85th minute, Aubameyang comes on for Saka. I mean, for me, 
I also another point I put there, bizarre timing. Because I'm I'm thinking you're trying to press home the advantage. I mean you can't now just settle on that because you've got now the people in the like the opposition now on the last leg. So you know, go for it. I mean, I'm not saying go gung ho and leave everything open at the back. You yeah, you say you tell holding and, and Marie, you just stay on the offer line, that's it. We're gonna do now the, the, the gritty work here and or maybe you'd like you know, just stick party in front of them and you say, Okay, you guys are the core there at the back. There's a rest now, just totally swarm them. But no, we don't do that. We end up, okay, Obama gets a chance. Fourth minute of, of injury time. But of course, he kind of slips as it came to pulling the trigger, which allows the keeper to make it safe. And then from that ensuing corner, this is for me, the, the key to bizarreness. Yeah, with 20 seconds to go, Nicola Teta makes two substitutions. He brings on William and El Nini for Pepe and Smith Rowe. Just to see other twenty seconds. <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't know. I, I think this this game had me questioning so many things yeah. when you when you when you see what happened what happened in the game and how we we dealt with things. But you know the second leg, it's, it's Etienne Kapu is out and, and probably at Juan Foyth because he picked up a, a injury. So you know I'm hoping. We can, we can kick on from there, but also Aubameyang should have done a bit better with that shot, but obviously whoever the kick manager was, because everybody should be blamed, everybody was slipping like that as well, so I don't know, I mean Aubameyang probably two seasons ago would have been more composed and probably, you know, taking his time and put that away, but it just seems that he's, the season's not been his season. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, as you said, Natai's still alive, but I mean, Arteta using for me, a safe sound to not only experiment with the formation, but also the you know the, the man management in game time. For me, I, I was, it leaves me at times speechless because you want to be leaving this guy to take Arsenal to <clears throat> almost like another level. But I mean, for me, it, it just shows how you know greeny is at the job as well. Because I mean, I don't think an experienced coach is going to even pull stunts like this in a game where. You want to, as you said now, especially in European times, you want to grab the initiative in that, that league when you're away already to, to show that you can either nick something or you nullify the opposition completely from the like, natural game. But as I said, let's see how it's going to pan out for next week. I mean, personally, I'm not hoping, you know, keep my hopes up because every time, like I said, where we keep our hopes up somehow in the league when big teams are messing up, we think, okay, this is another time that we can, you know, chip away some points from, from uh, you know the gaps from teams, but then uh, we go on like a two-game win and a win streak, and then it's again draws and losses and whatever. And I, I just don't see. I mean, of course, I, I don't want to get too far ahead now because we still got the talking points. But yeah, we go out now. Swing our attention now to the game on Sunday tomorrow against uh, Newcastle United at St James's Park, 16th versus 10th. Uh, I mean, what more can a person say? I mean, it's almost like we play at our level, really, because I don't see us, you know, really, you know, scaring anybody in the top nine. Because every time we seem to come short or really make heavy weather from 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 most of the teams, even look at that like at Fulham game as well, where you thought to yourself, you already got home advantage and you're struggling like that to even you know get or clock up opportunities. I think Newcastle's going to be more active than Arsenal. Newcastle are probably safe, 
but they they have been playing for their lives of late. I mean, they got a point against Liverpool last week, and I do think that Arsenal at the moment like will, will probably be be playing without motivation. For me, I would actually just stick on anybody that needs to get some minutes in their legs to to kind of just get ready for third tonight. Because for me, besides. You know, there's, there's nothing almost for us in the league anymore. I mean, we can we can try and get results, but you know, I, I'm looking over my shoulder for Thursday because I mean, the league we've been handed so many lifelines. You know, you tell yourself, okay, if we win today, you know, we, they, they, there's still hope for us in the league for for something, but they just throw points away all the time. And I think like of the two, Newcastle will be angrier, and and I don't think. We should we should discount players fitness wise because you see as well our players are falling and getting injured as well. We just need everybody back right now. Yeah, I think uh, you know just wrapping up now with the Newcastle thing with regards to also Thursday. Um, I think Kieran Tierney being in is going to be a hell of a bonus if they can get him fit between yeah. now and then. I mean, maybe give him like a, a, a short run out like yes. Newcastle yeah. so something like that. Just to get that feeling in the legs, and then you let him play the, the the Thursday because I think, as you said, as everything is now in the cup final, all the chips now in that basket, all the yeah. basket right now. So, yeah, to be switching our attention now to the talking points of the podcast. Wait, so we, we, we first, you discuss maybe the Thursday night, the second leg. I mean, how would you take that? So we will probably be touching. We won't be touching on that game in the next podcast. So we need to preview it now. Yeah. Um. What are your thoughts on, on, on that? You know, how will you you approach this game? Because I mean, if we if we don't if we can't beat Villarreal at home, you know, with with that away goal, I mean, we don't need to, we don't deserve to go through. So, like you mentioned, Tierney needs to come in. I think hopefully Lacazette is fit, and we have a Bamiang. Also, we just need all hands on deck in a game like that. Look, the thing is, Lacazette, I've not seen even in in that little training bits. So I think that that thing is quite serious. I mean, I, I, that's why I, with with him, I'm not really holding any hopes up. Like you know, between now and end of the season, that he's going to be back. Um, Obama, I believe that few minutes. I mean, who knows how they're going to work with him now? You know, this coming week, building up to that game. Um, I think he should. He's probably going to be also be a vital key to that thing because now we will actually also have like a centre forward playing there, which allows or actually opens the door now to. Say someone like Martinelli or Pepe to go on that side that he actually favors right now on the on the left because I think he actually I think he causes more problems now for teams when he go when he plays on the left because when he comes on the right everybody knows he's just going to be the captain yeah but now he's like he can he besides whipping in uh, crosses he also can you know lay off or play through people with the right foot because I mean he does have a, a more controlled right foot when it means like passing and that so I don't have a problem with that. Then I think also defense, a big rethink is going to be needed. I would actually, yeah. my personal take would be David Luiz and Pablo Marie because I still think Marie keeps himself, he still has a cool head and yeah. assesses the situation way quicker. Um, doesn't allow himself to really get bullied that much. And then you've got David Luiz who's got that A1, root one ball of his. I mean, yeah. he's, at times he can be a, a gaff machine, but I mean, he, that is what we have been missing in the time that he's been off because you don't have that ball that's making teams second guess or, uh, or rethink their plan when they want to attack because he ends up just hitting the ball long for all our pacey guys to catch up to. Uh, as you said, Tierney, left back, 
if he, having him back would be brilliant because allow Jacques then to play alongside Thomas Party, and I think that is where the almost like the true battle will also then take place. Yeah. The two of them, and then you let Smith Rowe play because I'm not sure if you cannot trust Odegaard to really be active for full night because I mean, look, you were going to need people to are really, you know, on the money. I mean, for, for me, it's almost like let some like Smith Rowe help, you know, get us like a goal or two. And then almost like the last party, then you bring Odegaard on, you know, yeah. that tiring and that, and then you let him because then he can't dazzle people. No, I agree. It's just, yeah, big, big game for Arsenal Thursday. And I think all Arsenal fans are hoping that we can come through on top of it. But yeah, we can do the talking point section. So, what's your take now with the whole Arteta thing, how things are playing out here with him? Because, look, without. Uh, you know, the, like, say the path we go, you know, if it's like hypothetically speaking, league is already, as you said, that everything is too scattered and too distant for us to really make up ground because just through the the team's inconsistency. And then, I mean, with this being his only channel into Europe, is like, what's your take now on it? You know, I, I've, I've been a big, you know, initially when we, we signed up that uh, I was not. You know, the greatest fan of it. And then, you know, obviously, that FA Cup kind of painted over a lot of cracks winning it. Uh, you know, give him a chance who won the Community Shield. But over this whole season, I was all the time kind of saying, you know, wait till the end of the season before I judge him. Wait till the end of the season. And I think my opinion shifted so vastly. And not to say it was based on one game. But we came up against Villarreal and just the manner in which the players turned up, the decisions that was made at various points in the game. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't think Arteta is the right man for the job. He's, mm-hmm. It seems he's quite inexperienced and, you know, you could change your mind. I've always said it's the players' fault, it's the players' fault, it's the players' fault. Yes, the players, if you look at a lot of the goals we've conceded, it's... Due to individual areas, and I mean, I think the coach does have the plan, but they just certain things you can't hide from, like that Sebeo's decision. That could have cost us dearly mm. because of his, of him not wanting to 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 um take take him off. I mean, a guy like Guendouzi could have probably you know been used somewhere along the line if you just got through to him somehow. But it seems like a coach that's as a bit too arrogant at times for. For his own good, his ego is bigger than than what it is should be because I mean it's won the FA Cup yes, but other than that he's been woeful in the league. We almost eleventh spot. There's no consistency, so you know where where to from here? Like do you say okay after this um, he wins the Europa League, you give him another opportunity, or do you say he's still part of his death? Because you put this Arsenal side in a Champions League tie against any team in that game in the knockout stages and we could struggle quite severely. Yeah, but I mean, my take is just, it's going to also go hand in hand with also club ownership because, uh, you know, not that I'm going to want to say, oh yeah, you're going to go Arteta in, Arteta out type of thing, but it's like, if you don't have the support of the board, then I mean, are you? why do you want to then trust him, say with a transfer budget for next season? Well, not just a transfer budget, but can uh, the Krunkies actually give Arsenal also a sort of budget that can make us competitive? And I mean, it, it really does show now. I mean, it, it's got nothing to do now with self-sustainability. It's going to come down now to how much 
Stan Kroenke can dig in his own pockets and take money out of his own uh, personal uh, kitty to you know help Arsenal start surging through a through a league season because right now we are not showing it. And for me, it's almost like it's coming also at a time where you've got a, a, a I'm like what they call a greenhorn manager that that's not really a se- like you know seasoned in the game yet as 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 a manager, and you wanting him not to get you from from A to B, but I mean you you're trying to go through different other awkward channels to to uh, get that, that way because it's not just of changing the coach, it's going to also come down to changing the manpower because there are a lot of people at Arsenal, uh, players at, at Arsenal, that are just not good enough. And I mean, the, the, the sooner the Krunkers can accept that and understand it and think, okay, things are going to have to change, then only we're going to be able to move forward. But for me, it's almost like, uh, it's going to be against square pegs, round holes. If you bring in a new coach now, and but you still have the same sort of players that are the reason. And I mean, the majority of them are the reason that uh, failed Wenger, that we got rid of over the course of this past season. And then also, the uh, big core of this team, same group that also got Emery the sack eventually. So I mean, do you really want to go, like, do we want to go down that path and, and always... Had to give the players always a pass. They are also part, a big part of the problem. No, I definitely agree with you. And and you you got to look at, at at the team as well. You know what you do. The likes of Aubameyang, you know, he ends up with another performance of the season like he did last season. And you know you paying him another top earner at the club. And he hasn't since his top earner. He hasn't given us a real top earner performance. I mean, he's got everything that is vital goal against Benfica. It's a good performance, but I, th- I think we need more of those. I mean, what I feel bad for some players is that, like, you know, like I said, and, and even um, Fabian, we haven't played Champions League football in ages now. So, yeah. you know, do, do they want to just all be at the club in in, a, in next season if we don't make Champions League? How long is it going to take for Saka to realise, you know, I can't keep doing this and office start coming in. TNE, the same thing. Also, yeah. if they don't step up, could could be facing you know many players leaving the club. I think we're probably one more season away from from players turning around and looking like you know. I, I think I need better for my career. You look at look at the likes of Phil Foden at the moment, such a young player, but he's playing in a Champions League semi final. I'm sure the likes of Saka, whoever is thinking, you know, I also want to be playing in a Champions League semi final, not scrap and trying to to just make it into a Europa League final. Yeah, I think yeah, because I mean, uh, that's the sense I get also when I was listening to Saka's post-match match interview where he said like, you know, they can't keep on getting things wrong like this because I mean, you have a sort of game plan and every time it's falling short, I mean, on a big, you know, almost like near embarrassing scale and then also Tierney as well. He's got a competitive edge to him and if you also have to, I don't know if I'm using the right word, but you also have to quench his desire for honours. Yes. I bring in players that are going to get him over. Because you, you do know you, this is a type of guy that's going to go to war for you. Yes. People like El Nini, uh, Ceballos, even like people like Holding, and then that sort of level of footballers, this is where they also get found out when you have to really be, you, you know, you, you're chasing a sort of dream now of, of European fo- football. And I'm not t- talking just for the money aspect, but I mean to play the top level to actually bring in top players as well. Yeah. So, see, that is where, and that is, uh, the sooner the Krunkies also understand that, the better, because you can see this team is not made for even a top 
eight run or top six run because there are so many flaws to the, this team's game. Like attitude, because for me, the attitude is actually the worst when you look at yes. it. Because oh, this was also a factor. Like with, with, we played last Friday that Everton game. Barcelona played the Sunday. Um, sorry, Valeria played the Sunday against Barcelona. And yet, Villarreal looked way more focused, they looked fitter and whatever, and yet also had the way longer period to rest and, and, and have a sort of game plan. There was no game plan even there. If it, no, if it, no. We didn't have an identity anymore. You know, we had one in the, at the start of Arteta, but there's like, there's nothing at the moment. It's almost like we, we, we're just getting through games and it, it, it was... It's it's to be like master strokes of individual brilliance that helps us get through the the games at times. So you know it's it's up to the players also to be held accountable and start pulling the finger. So yeah, I know important week lies ahead for us, and hopefully that the guys can step up because it's looking a bit scary at the moment how things are what's happening in Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, with that, uh, hope you guys have a good weekend. Enjoy the coming week. Uh, take care, guys. Bye. Cheers, guys. And hopefully we'll be discussing us playing in the Europa League final next week. Cheers, guys.